It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BYU football crosses the halfway point of spring camp. What to take away from day eight, my practice observations, as well as some news and notes on what's going on inside BYU football. And of course, catching up on everything else you need to know as we head into the weekend for BYU sports. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at FanDuel. This episode of Locked On Cougars brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. BYU passed the halfway mark of spring camp uh, yesterday with their eighth practice of the 15 they are allotted during spring ball. A pretty spirited session. Now, BYU did hold their annual high school coaches uh, seminar, clinic, whatever you want to term it. So there were a number of high school coaches from across the state of Utah and actually beyond that, the number of coaches that come in from out of state for this event annually to uh, mill around. Obviously, they were able to hear from Ken Niamatololo, the former Navy head coach, who was the keynote speaker. He was invited, as he said, uh, due to being lifelong friends with Kalani Satake, both of them natives of Laie, Hawaii. Uh, so he spoke to the to the coaches. We actually had a chance as a media corps to speak with Coach Ken as well, and very interesting thoughts from him we'll get to here in just a moment. But overall, my takeaway from practice today, it's probably what you guys are here for most of all, is that it's a pretty spirited day, off that, all things considered. Now, BYU's defense, if I were to term it in the media portion of practice, I would say that they won the day. And the one thing about BYU's defense right now is they are just pesky. That, that's probably the best way to describe them. Are they polished? No. Do they have all their horses? No. Do they make plays? Yes. And in fact, they made a number of plays. I saw two interceptions uh, during the media session, uh, one of which was a fantastic read by Micah Hanneman, now playing linebacker for BYU. Cade Fennigan just made a poor decision, threw the ball towards the sideline, and Hanneman just stepped in front of it, picked it off, got two feet down, and had the INT. The other one, was a Hail Mary sort of throw, just a deep ball heaved up by Jake Retzloff. Uh, we actually did see Jake Retzloff as a media core for the first time in spring ball for BYU. He's dealt with a number of setbacks uh, related to a tonsillectomy that apparently required two more procedures to clean up infections and the like. Crazy, crazy stuff. But he underthrew a deep ball and Caleb Christensen came up with the interception. It's one of those quote-unquote arm punts that as a coach, depending on the situation, you're like, okay, well, that one doesn't necessarily count for you. But also, they also sent out some highlights uh, from BYU. Evan Johnson also had an interception uh, during that period of the, it was close to the media. I'm sure the coaches were able to see that. Also, uh, Evan Johnson got the pick. He also had a PBU on Jake Retzloff. Crew Wakely, of course, uh, hosts the Laced Up podcast. If you've not checked that out, it's a really cool thing. He's talking with some of his teammates. He had a pass breakup on Nick Billups, uh, despite uh, reports to the contrary. He is still playing quarterback? 
So that's something to pay attention to. John Nelson, also on those highlights sent out by BYU Sports Information, also had a pass breakup in Keaton Slovis. So uh, the one thing about, like I said, this defense, they're pesky, and they are making plays, and that's the thing about this. I think that they are gaining more and more confidence going up against a pretty high-powered BYU offense, and they're making plays. So is this BYU defense going to be a nuisance? We'll find out more in training camp because I've stated this previously. A lot of stuff with spring ball can be mirage, smoking mirrors, a lot of guys trying new positions, uh, ideas being thrown around with regards to scheme, uh, play calling, all that type of stuff from the coaches. So it can be a little bit of a I don't know, a false look at what BYU truly has. But so far in spring ball, this defense has held their own. And the offense has also had its moments. But I think yesterday's practice, I would get, tip the nod or give the nod to BYU's uh, defense uh, in regards to if they won the day. Now, other things I noticed out there at practice. I, I've got my phone here. If you're watching this on YouTube, I wrote all my notes down. Uh, first thing on the injury front, Soldier Maiava Peters, he went down due to non-contact injury during Friday's practice. We were out there when we saw it happen live. I actually thought it was more of like a hamstring deal. I know that Jay Drews reported something similar. He was in a knee brace today, kind of wandering around. He had his jersey on, but he's not participating in drills. Uh, Jay Drew did speak with Harvey Unga, who is the running backs coach, and they said they're going to hold Soldier out for the rest of spring ball. A little bit unfortunate uh, because he would have been a guy who had been benefited, I think, chiefly amongst all the uh, running backs with him making the move to running back to get extra reps this spring ball, but apparently it's it's not a serious knee injury is to what uh, Harvey Unga uh, told Jay Drew, but he will be out for the rest of spring ball. Now, other things I, I saw, uh, Keaton Slovis had a fantastic touchdown uh, throw to Dom Henry across the middle. Uh, Dom Henry was some uh, moment moments of, is it going to be incomplete? Is it going to be out? Is it going to be out of bounds? It was in the back of the end zone. Uh, the officials on hand officially ruled it a touchdown, so he was celebrating with his teammates, but it was one of those plays that would have been reviewed, obviously, uh, by instant replay in-game, but still a nice play for that. Like I said, we also finally saw Jake Retzloff in drills. I thought he looked a little shaky. Uh, had some problems getting play calls and getting guys lined up uh, in, with his unit. Uh, coaches were stepping in at some points, uh, explaining things to guys and uh, explaining to Retzloff what he needed to do. So uh, it's his first real extensive action with BYU's offense running the show. So I expect him to get better at that. Cade Fennigan to have two interceptions on the day, not his finest day. And both of them, the one I saw live and also the, the highlight reel that was sent out by BYU showing Evan Johnson picking it off. Both of them bad decisions. Both of them intermediate throws to the sideline. Not enough pace. A bad decision and the defender just steps in the way. In the case of Evan Johnson likely would have been a pick six. It, just nobody in front of him. Nobody was going to catch him. And It's one of those things. You have those days as a quarterback. But Cade Fennigan maybe had the worst day amongst the quarterbacks. I also saw a touchdown throw uh, for Keanu Hill as well. A, touch, a touchdown reception for Keanu Hill. He also had a slant route that he caught. I thought he had made a couple of steps, got the ball stripped out, but they ultimately ruled it incomplete. I guess he must have been juggling it, according to the back judge, but I wonder if that might have been a a fumble in real life. And also, nice Amahe showing off an ability to get in the backfield. He had a quote-unquote what they call a whistle sack on Keaton Slovis. Also in the highlight reel, I thought I saw Ace Kafusi also get a whistle sack on, I think it was Retzlaff. I'm not 100% certain on the, I couldn't get the number cleanly for the quarterback, but uh 
a lot of good things and a lot of uh, bad things. I guess you t- kind of take both of them. Halfway through spring ball, I think BYU is trending the right way. Fessy Satake said that he's feeling pretty good about uh, what's going on with his wide receiving core. He spoke to the uh, general media yesterday and talked a lot about with Keaton Slovis. He said that uh, Slovis is just this effervescent personality, always positive, always lifting his teammates up, and that's something you need to be as a quarterback because things are going to go wrong in a game. And the one thing Fessy did say about Keaton Slovis is his ability to thrive in those moments. A lot of guys would kind of get drawn down by the bad juju or the, the, the negative feeling, but he says that he is always positive, always looking on the bright side and trying to encourage his teammates and lift them up. And that's, all, that's a positive sign for a quarterback who I truly believe will be a team captain whenever BYU announces team captains, whether it's at the end of spring ball, going into training camp, etc. I fully expect Keaton Slovis to have that captain C on his jersey this season for BYU. He's been nothing less than impressive in in terms of his leadership capability. Now, uh, in terms of maybe the worst thing going on right now for BYU is the kicking game. They they once again uh, did what they're calling they're calling like a pressure drill where essentially the entire team uh, gets around the 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 long snapper the holder and the kickers and they're making noise guys are on each other's shoulders they're throwing shoes and towels up in the air just trying to distract them if at all possible. Day one of practice, we were out there for, as a media core and it was. Awful. The kicking game, I remember, you guys probably remember me talking about I was like, holy cow, they need to fix some things. Now, Cash Peterman, who was the third or fourth string uh, kicker at points last year, has officially announced he's entering the transfer portal, so you wish him well. But uh, the other kickers in camp right now for BYU struggled once again. It wasn't as bad as day one. I I don't think it was that bad. But they hit the upright on one kick. One fell short. It just... Right now, uh, I'm not sure the kicking game has a ready-made answer. None of the kickers, uh, truly, I, I think, are standing out. If, I, if, if you had to ask me who I would peg just on the bare minimum <laughs> uh, views I've seen of practice so far, it'd probably be the walk-on, Matthias Dunn. I got some more intel on him, by the way. He's a former Wasatch High kicker, uh, graduated in 2019, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, had announced he was going to attend BYU before going on that mission, came back, was with the team last spring, but was not kept on by BYU staff at that time. Ed Lamb was the coordinator for the special teams. They did not keep him on, so he spent the last year just as a student at BYU, walked back on to the program this spring, and uh, like I said, if you were to ask me which kicker I would favor as the number one guy, it's Matthias Dunn, the Wasatch High a grad. I uh, had a chance to catch up with some people who know a little bit more about him, and they said that they kept him on this spring, and he's very grateful to have the opportunity. But the kicking game, it's for lack of a better term, in shambles, and that, that's that's being kind of... Like, uh, they got to figure it out. I think they will be using the transfer portal probably to try and find a kicker out there uh, during that transfer portal period beginning May 1. We'll find out, though. If somebody can pick it up in the back half of spring ball, only time will tell. Now, BYU is going to hold their first scrimmage of spring ball tomorrow. It'll be close to the media, but we'll have an opportunity to do Zoom uh, press conferences with coaches after that. We'll, of course, report on, on that on Monday, what I take away. I obviously have my quote-unquote eyes and ears on the ground down there in pro. I'll be, uh, of course, uh, trying to dig around and find out what I can find out about the scrimmage. Also, uh, we are a week away, folks. Get ready. It's going to be both the BYU annual spring scrimmage slash game, what they're going to have at 3 o'clock Mountain Time, and then at 5 o'clock, it's going to be the second annual alumni game out there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. If you have not made your plans to be in attendance, I would highly encourage you to do so. Uh, attendance, uh, not attendance, admission is free. They will have, obviously, I think the Cougar store will be open inside under the East Stands. 
the West Ends, excuse me, at LES. They will also have uh, concessions open, hopefully more than last year, because that was a little bit of a debacle. But nonetheless, we are a week away from that. Tomorrow, first scrimmage. Uh, looking forward to hearing what the coaches made of it uh, shortly after it wraps up. And like I said, I'll be sure to pass along anything I learn about it on Monday's edition of the podcast. All right, coming up next. Uh, yesterday, we did not get to it. I promised we were going to get to our mailbag. I uh, had a late uh, addition to the lineup, of course, Mark Comer from the Royal Blue Collective. And when he says he's available to do it, I sat down, knocked out, knocked out that episode and said, you know what, we'll get to the questions, the mailbag questions on tomorrow's podcast. We'll get to those next. And, of course, we'll wrap up today's show a little bit later on with a look back at another game in BYU football history, some additional thoughts on BYU sports, where other teams are playing this weekend, and maybe a couple final thoughts of BYU football notes if I have anything else that pops into my mind as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, they've been with us for so long. Of course, the Sweet 16 started last night. It'll continue tonight. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with our friends at FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. You heard right. If it doesn't win, you win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets at the end of the tournament. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your chance to get that no-sweat first bet right now of up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to sign up. That makes every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Also brought to you today by our friends over at UCCU. It is the perfect time, my friends, to open a low-rate home equity line of credit from our friends at Utah Community Credit Union. Over time, the value of your home goes up, and as you make payments, the balance on what you owe goes down. The space in between is called equity, for those of you who didn't know, and it's yours. A UCCU home equity line of credit can put that equity to work for you. Finishing your basement or yard, raising your home's value can be done with that, paying off higher interest loans, getting out of debt faster, helping with college or weddings, or just simply knowing you have the peace of mind that you have a low-rate line of credit ready for whatever whenever. That's the best part about it. UCCU will also provide you with your very own home equity Visa card, giving you that instant access to your equity. And if you already have a home equity line with another financial institution, just refinance with UCCU and save. To learn more or to get start your application today, visit uccu.com or stop by any branch. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and making us your first listen today. I want to encourage you guys, if you've not done so yet, check out Locked On College Basketball. It's a new podcast here on the Locked On College channel. Uh, experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you know on and off the court. They'll, of course, be breaking down March Madness this weekend. Hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. It is time now for you guys to take center stage on today's show. Had a great uh, batch of questions that came in. I actually I just closed one tab, and I, I'm making a habit of this. I apologize. But uh, we'll get to uh, these questions as quick and as fast and furious as we can. So number one coming in, uh, Tucker Nader, our good friend uh, Tucker, uh, says, what's our kicker situation? I heard it was iffy at best. Her cash payment was all that and that. Is, was all that and is now bailing kind of at an odd time. Are we going fishing in the transfer portal for a kicker? Well, I think I already answered that Tuckinator, but yeah, I truly believe BYU will have to look at the transfer portal. Cash Peterman did exit at a weird time, but it screams to me that he'd probably fallen behind the other kickers, even with all their struggles and decided it was better him better to, uh, 
a better time for him to find something new from greener pastures, so to say. Next one up, the underscore Josh Glenn, one of our GFOP, says, how did the depth chart shaping up? Is Cash Peterman, Cash Peterman the precursor to more portal entries for the BYU team? Now, I, I don't uh, do this a lot, but I'm going to invoke something that Kyle Whittingham said. I had the opportunity to go up to the first day of Utah Spring Ball, and Kyle Whittingham said he fully expects four to six guys from his program to leave during spring, and he probably thinks he's going to bring in four to six guys to replace them in the transfer portal period. He said it's nothing against anybody. It's it's nobody's fault. of It's no fault of anybody's. He says it's just simply the reality of what's going on. So yes, it's probably the precursor having a guy like Cash Peterman decide to bolt at this time. Uh, he will not officially be able to enter the transfer portal unless he graduated already from BYU until May 1, but I do think you'll see guys transfer out. We've heard it uh, multiple times that BYU from their coaches' own mouths, Aaron Roderick. They've said that they're going to try and get some wide receivers, one or two guys in that position. I think they'll look at the offensive line. They can find a defensive line uh, addition they feel like that be bolstered them. Cornerback, linebacker, I think all those positions will be looked at in the transfer portal period. But do expect some names to, to leave BYU, but also expect them to add some players bringing it in. Now, sticking with the transfer portal questions, Jordan Kennard at JKBYU01 says, what specific player in the transfer portal you want BYU basketball to target. Uh, so that's the interesting thing uh, about this. We'll get to your second part of your question here in a minute, Jordan Kennard. There is one guy, well, actually two guys. Uh, they're both big men. If you can't get Fardaz Amac, and I've reported this before, but I have been told that BYU has at least made contact with Fardaz. Obviously, Mark Pope was part of the uh, staff at UVU that helped bring him to UVU in the first place, even though I don't believe he ever played for Mark Pope. He sat out that year. But nonetheless, Fardaz would be a big addition if they can manage to get him in there. Another one that's got a regional tie is Graham Ike. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's the big man for Wyoming. He sat out most of this season with an injury, but when he's healthy, folks, he's a double-double machine. 19 points and nine-something rebounds. Like I said, absolutely masterful big man. I have no idea if he has any relationship with BYU, but on its head, I want to see BYU get a legitimate big man. It's a 6'10", 6'11", 7-footer to compete in the Big 12. Those two guys would be ones I would keep an eye on. I think absolutely they should check that out. There was another question that came in. I'm losing it right now, but somebody asked about uh, Kirk Kreese, of course, the guard from the University of Arizona. Estonian uh, national, a guy who is very capable of scoring and distributing. I think BYU should kick the tires on that. I have no idea, like I said, similar to Graham Ike, if there's any interest on either side on those, but those would probably be the guys I would encourage BYU to look at. Shoot for the stars. Absolutely. If you're going to bring in transfer portal guys, get the absolute best you can get, and you can't not get them unless you ask. Did I say that right? Nonetheless. Uh, all right. Uh, other questions Jordan asked. For your next interview on the podcast, could you interview a couple, a group like a few of the QBs or a few of the DBs? Just a thought. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I am unable to do that right now, Jordan. A lot of time they just kind of limit us to the player that we request. Uh, I'll see what I can do. It'd be an interesting to see if I could get multiple players at once, but we'll find out. I'll have to dig into that. Uh, just off, it's off the top of my head. I'm not 100% certain uh, that I'd be able to do that. All right. Oh, there he is. Ryan Welling. Does BYU basketball go after Arizona transfer Kirk Carissa? You've absolutely got to reach out and see if he's got any interest. I have no idea if he does. But he's a high-level player playing for one of the best college basketball programs on the West Coast. You do a lot worse than seeing if he has any interest. But I, I my priority would be a big man. So Graham Ike and Fardaz Amak are probably my guys that I would look at. Uh, other questions coming in here. Chase Messer, uh, Chase underscore Messer 44. What happened to BYU basketball walk-on Nathan Webb? He was not on the roster at the end of the season. Chase, 
No clue. Uh, honestly, I have no idea. He probably could have gotten a job, realized it was time for him to move on. Schoolwork became too much. The life of a walk-on in every sport, I'm not just saying it's just basketball, it, it's every sport. Walk-ons are, they're working a full-time job in some circumstances to pay for school while also playing a sport that requires essentially full-time hours. That's 80 hours commitment and even more than that, schoolwork, all that type of stuff. It's very tough to live a life of a walk-on. I have no idea what happened in this circumstance with Nathan Webb, but regardless, wish him the best moving forward. All right, a couple other ones. Garrett at SF Garrett says, BYU, excuse me, the 24-7's cumulative preseason top 25 has five Big 12 teams, TCU, Kansas State, Texas, Texas Tech, and OU. What's your way-too-early top five in the Big 12 in football this season, and what do you think BYU's ceiling is in 2023? Now let's put it this way. I'll answer your uh, last question uh, first. BYU ceiling in 2023, I think if everything were to just come together. Offense is electric once again with Keaton Slovis leading the way. Jay Hill engineers one of the great turnarounds for BYU's defense to get back to being a top 40 defense. I think nine and three. I think that would be like the, the the dream season for BYU debuting in the Big 12. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Let me reiterate. Six and six is my benchmark for BYU this year. Anything beyond that is gravy for me. Just make a bowl game. That, that, that's what I want to see for BYU. Now, the second thing, what's your way too early top five in the Big 12 in football this season? I'd have Texas number one. I'd probably go, man, Kansas State two. Of course, they're the defending a Big 12 champions, funny enough, even though we saw TCU go uh, to the national championship. TCU loses a lot, so I'm not going to put them three, man. Number three, I'm actually going to put Baylor. I know that sounds maybe a little bit weird to say that, but I think Baylor's poised to maybe bounce back a little bit here. We'll find out. Put Baylor three. I'll go with Texas Tech four. I'm sneaky high on what Joey McGuire's doing with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I'll go number five. got to give props to TCU. I'll put TCU number five. I'd probably put BYU in that seven, eight range, maybe a little bit, maybe nine potentially. It's an interesting question, Garrett, so thank you uh, for that. All right, uh, last thing here. I've got one more here. Oh, you got two more. Excuse me. Roger Van Slyke at RH Van Slyke said, how much, if anything, are the Big 12 media partners paying the Big 12 for BYU and other expansion teams' content? I know they're getting $18 million a year for the first two years, is what you're saying, Roger, but how much of that is coming from the other Big 12 schools and how much from media partners? The way I understand it, Roger, is that the entirety of that $18 million is actually being taken from the other Big 12 schools' media rights uh, portion and being transferred over to the other four new schools. Does that make sense? They're, they're actually taking slices of their pie, quote-unquote, quote, unquote, for each school, siphoning that off to pay the other four schools that are coming into the conference. Now, there are other ways that the Big 12 is trying to make up for that. The $100 million that that both Oklahoma and uh, Texas are forfeiting, I'm sure will go out to those remaining eight teams to make them a little more, uh, feeling a little bit better about the loss and obviously making up for them having their money siphoned off for these schools. But yes, that $18 million, the way I understand it, is going uh, towards the four other schools out there. And obviously, uh, it's going to be a cash windfall. $18 million is more than BYU's ever seen. They've made pretty good money as an independent, but they've never seen this much money as a football program or even an athletic department as a whole. Now, the final question here, our good friend Nick Lee says, best public golf course in Utah? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Nick, I would say the best public golf course for my money is Hobble Creek in Springville, Utah. I absolutely love that course. A number of other good ones uh, that I've played. I've played a bunch of them in Salt, in Salt Lake and Utah Valleys mainly. I absolutely love 
Hobble Creek. It's, it's one of a kind. I absolutely love that place. Favorite golf course you've ever played? That's a great one. I'm going to say the Arnold Palmer design out at Turtle Bay in Hawaii. Fantastic course. Had a great time. Immaculate condition. Uh, you're, you can get so far away from almost anybody on that course. It's so quiet and still. Absolutely loved it. It's probably the, my favorite course I've played. He says, I will keep the golf content flowing. Of course, it's the offseason. Nick, you're my man. We need to get out and play soon. By the way, I'll, I'll just throw this out again. Some of you reached out a couple weeks ago when I mentioned I'm happy to play with people during the offseason. I finally get some golf weather here in Utah because it's been smarch uh, to, the, to the large degree. A lot of snow and rain, and you guys know what it's like if you're living here along the Wasatch Front or in Utah in general. Uh, but once it warms up a little bit, let's get out and play. If you are interested in that, reach out. I'd love nothing more than to go hang out with you guys on the links, have a conversation about the Cougs, and hit some shots as well. All right, uh, let's see. I think I got through everything else. Oh, no, I got one more here. I apologize. One more question. All right. Kyle V underscore Henry asking this. Do you see Miles Davis moving to wide receiver? If you don't, why not? I'm pretty sure he was listed at wide receiver out of high school. With how strong the running back room is looking and how sparse the wide receiver room is looking, I think it could make sense. He's clearly got the speed and footwork. I think it would be a win for everybody because he probably would get more playing time. Now, Kyle, I like the thought. I do because he was a wide receiver. He also played some DB in high school, if I recall correctly. He's made the transition to running back during his time at BYU. At this point, the the, the amount of investment has been put into Miles Davis as a running back, I think it'd be hard to pull him away uh, from that. But I, I can see what you're saying because they've said they're going to go to the transfer portal and try and find some guys at the wide receiving core. I think their top three wide receivers are very, very good. Like We're talking elite level type guys. We're talking about Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, and Keanu Hill. Those three guys are fantastic. They are great, great wide receivers. But after that, there's a drop-off. Dom Henry has shown well in spring ball. To his credit, he has shown well. But can he truly be that number four guy? I've got my questions about that. Miles Davis, in a pinch, if BYU were to strike out all over the board with regards uh, to the transfer portal and they felt like they needed to make a move, maybe they consider that. But I think just based on the amount of investment and the time they have put into making Miles Davis a running back and the time that he has invested in uh, transforming his body, that type of stuff, I just don't see it right off the bat. But down the road, it could very well be an option. I, I guess I will I will say that. All right. So there you go. Questions answered. Thank you for all of your guys' questions. Absolutely love when you guys weigh in. And hopefully, if I did not get to your question, I missed it. Please resubmit it. And, of course, if you have questions that you want to get in for next week's mailbag, get them in now. I will be happy to hold on to them. All right. Final few notes before we go on today's show. Coming up here in just a moment, of course, BYU Sports, a number of other BYU programs in action this weekend. We'll get to all of that in just a couple of moments. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Of course, they've been with us for years. They are the best-tasting protein bars for a reason. I actually just placed an order yesterday to get myself two of my personal favorites because they're available right now. Uh, they are Built's Cookie Dough as well as Built Grasshopper Cookie. If you like uh, like grasshopper flavor, the Grasshopper Cookie Bar from Built Bar is is absolutely that, but it's healthy for you. It's absolutely incredible. All these bars covered in 100% chocolate. The macros on them are absolutely insane. And right now, they've got a really cool thing going on with Built. They have what they call Built March Madness. They have a bracket. You can vote for your favorite bar or puff and make sure they are the champion. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites now. It's a fantastic way to support your favorites. I will be voting for Cookie Dough and also Grasshopper Cookie. Those are the two I'm going for. The best part is, and when you vote for, excuse me, when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you're entered to do into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners are going to win a free box of Built. But not only that, one Locked On fan is going to win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffed, uh, puffs excuse me, delivered monthly straight to your door. So get to Built.com or go to Built 
BuiltMarchMadness.com. Place your votes now. While you're there, you can save money ordering your next box of Built Bars or boxes of Built Bars. Uh, boxes of Built Bars, excuse me, by using the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's LOCKEDON15. Check out BuiltMarchMadness.com or Built.com. They are the best tasting protein bars, and they are Built Bar. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast. It is a Friday. BYU Pro Day playing out, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it in the early morning, be playing out beginning at 9 a.m. down there in Provo. All 32 NFL teams going to be in attendance. The Rams, funny enough, did not attend Utah's Pro Day yesterday. All 31 other teams visited Utah. Uh, Ten teams visited Utah State the day before that. But all 32 NFL teams will be on hand in Provo to check out BYU's prospects. I don't have much for you guys in terms of what to expect from it. I'll be happy to recap uh, what we uh, the testing numbers for that on Monday. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what guys like maybe like a Harris Lachance can show out there because he didn't go to the combine. I also want to see what uh, some of the other guys. I'm thinking off the top of my head, like Gunnar Romney. What can he show to NFL scouts? Is he capable of being the guy that can uh, make good on the bet on himself to leave after playing a game and a half this past season for BYU and make it in the NFL? When he is healthy, Gunner's been a fantastic wide receiver. Will an NFL team take a flyer on him, and can he make good on that opportunity? Only time will tell, but looking forward to that. Now, some other teams in action this weekend. BYU softball has a doubleheader scheduled against Idaho State tomorrow at Gail Miller Field. Also, BYU baseball is in action. Uh, they lost to St. Mary's 11-8 in their opener yesterday. They'll be taking on the Gales tonight and tomorrow as well. If you want to check those out, BYU Radio and the BYU TV app. Uh, 3 o'clock first pitch. I was an afternoon game today. 3 o'clock first pitch at Miller Park if you want to check that out. Men's volleyball is hosting number 7-ranked Pepperdine at the Smith Fieldhouse tonight. It'll be on BYU TV, 7 o'clock tonight, 7 o'clock tomorrow night for that as well. As I mentioned, you'll also have BYU and uh, Idaho State in softball. They had their game against Utah State canceled due to field conditions yesterday. Hopefully, they can get the field in playable shape tomorrow to get that doubleheader in. It's been a very rough spring for home games for BYU softball because they don't have the turf field that BYU baseball does because they play on dirt. That's the one thing about softball is you have to have that, that dirt to play on. It's just it's what softball does. So We'll see what happens, but a big weekend in BYU sports. Pro Day going down, the first scrimmage of spring ball. We're going to have plenty to recap on our Monday edition of the show, so stay with us. Uh, ran out of time today, so we'll catch up on our, our look back at all 155 BYU football games. We talked a couple days ago about BYU hitting rock bottom in 2014. Well, we need to talk about the climb back out of that hole in 2014. Uh, we'll talk about Middle Tennessee, the next game up on that, on Monday show as well. It's going to be jam-packed, so don't miss it. Of course, we'll be back with you guys on Monday. Hope you guys are all doing well, and thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all having a great Friday. When you happen to be listening to this. Uh, one thing, oh, by the way, before I go, uh, I'm going to start doing some more what they call shorts on YouTube. They're a little kind of real type stuff. You've seen those on Instagram. New thing that YouTube is kind of rolling out. The Locked On Network wants us to do more of those kind of short takeaways from stuff. So maybe I'll record one of those shortly after BYU's media session wraps up after their scrimmage and get you some quick thoughts on that. So stay tuned for those. Those will be available exclusively on YouTube based on what I understand. They're available elsewhere. I'll be happy to update you on that, but kind of one more 
tidbit to throw in before we call it a day. All right. Uh, now we make your second listen, our friends over at Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Josh Neighbors does a great job getting you up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 Conference. How are things going in March Madness for the Big 12? What's going on in, in Big 12 football? All of that. You can get that available on YouTube like this show and also available wherever you get your podcast. So thank you once again for your support, my friends. Have a great Friday, great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.